This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Good evening, and top of the evening to you. It's Monday, it's The Late Show. It's me, Tom Rogers, covering for Emily Fuller Run Show, who will be returning in a couple of weeks' time. On this evening's show, I'm going to be discussing lots of things, really. Starting off with classism in education, between teachers. Then we're going to move on to talk about remote learning. Do you love it? Do you loathe it? We're live. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody. I hope you are well tonight. It is Monday, the 10th of January. And as far as I'm aware now, pretty much everybody who works in education in the UK and internationally is back at school. So if you are back at school and if you went back to school last week or this week, I hope that your return has been as smooth as it can be. I always find actually with January that it's a it's a tough time. Uh, it can be very, very difficult to motivate yourself. Dark in the morning, dark at night. Uh, people are often tired after the Christmas period. It, it's not like other holidays like Easter where you might feel a bit more rested afterwards. I find with Christmas, you, you're full on. You're, you're seeing people if you have a life, unlike me. But you're usually seeing people. You're, you're going to parties. You're uh, organizing different things. And then kind of Christmas and New Year fades out. And then before you know it, within a couple of days, you are you are back to work. And I think that can be really tough for, for teachers who probably last for many last term will have been the toughest term they, they faced as a teacher because um, we have got that fatigue from from uh, the pandemic still there. Absolutely still there. People finding it really, really tough to uh, to summon up the energy and to keep going and to to teach effectively. And actually, it was reported today, uh, just tonight, actually, by the TES um, about two hours ago, that nearly one in four teachers are saying that absence is having a major impact in their school. Uh, this is a, a survey that was done by NASUWT. 7,000 teachers responded to the survey and 23% said absences were having a major impact and 61% said they were having some impact as schools returned over the last week. Um, so this is these are huge figures. I mean, if you think about it, it's, and everyone you speak to who works in education will tell you the same thing. There's not enough uh, teachers in the system. There's not enough supply teachers in the system. There's not enough um, uh, people to actually come in and, and replace absent teachers. I mean, there wasn't necessarily beforehand, but certainly now it's it's become an even more acute issue in education, this teacher shortage. And, and of course, we know that it was well publicised that Nadine Sahawi over Christmas was talking about bringing back retirees into the classroom. And even but if even if we go back, you know, a few years, you had um, the, the schemes to bring ex-forces personnel into teaching. You've had lots of different attempts and different schemes to to bring people into teaching. You've had golden um, you've, you've had golden hellos. You've had really great handouts for joining the profession. That hasn't worked. You know, there is still a huge drop. And in fact, one of the other stories on Tez uh, tonight is that ITT applications have fell by 23%. Um, so actually, the number of 
people applying to, to enter the profession has also fallen compared to last year. So we talked a little bit last year, people were saying, oh, the, 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 the applications have gone up. Well, yeah, but the reason was is, is obviously if a lot of people, maybe the economy had, had dropped off, maybe people were out of their jobs and so on. But actually now, now that things perhaps are returning to some kind of normality, we're finding that a lot of teachers are, uh, a lot of people, sorry, are are leaving behind the idea of going into education and into teaching. Perhaps that's based on what they've seen happening. Um, but actually, we had this problem pre-pandemic. So maybe we've just gone to back to pre-pandemic levels. Uh, so, I mean, it, it does mention there that, that, as I said, that teacher training applications had surged in 2020. But um, Sam Twistleton, who's, who is, is on Twitter, you can find her there. She's a professor at Sheffield Institute of Education. She said, we certainly shouldn't and cannot rely on pandemics or recessions to secure a sufficient high quality supply of teachers and more needs to be done. Well, it absolutely does. And nothing really that either politicians or academics or, or, or unions or whatever has worked in solving this problem. This problem is absolutely intrinsic. It's embedded in the British education system, hence why so many teachers are going international. Now, that's the news from today. Sorry to be so depressing. I don't, you know, I didn't want to start with that. But, you know, the news is pretty depressing, if I'm honest with you. I mean, looking at the looking at the top stories on on TES in, in, in terms of education, in terms of teaching, there's there's not much really to write home about. However, we are going to have some interesting chats tonight. Um, positive news, positive Teachers Talk radio news. We've now reached 5000 followers on uh, Podbean. So thank you very much if you are listening to the show and thank you to everyone who has so far jumped in the studio. My guest is in the studio and I'll be, um, uh, she's already connected actually, I'll be talking to her in a few minutes time and introducing her. Uh, also welcome to Mesa who has joined, Seema who is in the studio um, and I'm sure we'll we'll have others joining as we go along and if you are listening back to this as a podcast, welcome to you too. And in fact, as, I've, as I was just mentioning, 5,000 people I've chosen to follow Teachers Talk Radio on Podbean, which is an extraordinary, um, extraordinary achievement, actually, uh, considering that we, we only started in February last year. To, to have that volume of, of people choosing to click follow on Podbean is, is, is quite remarkable. So thank you very much for your support uh, uh, in terms of uh, that's from us as a host community. We, we really value um, every listener. Uh, so uh, that's that's the, the TTR news. And uh I'll come on to the actual TTR news <laughs> a bit later as well with, with Gail Glenn. Um, but before I do that, let's introduce what we're going to be talking about on the show today. The first topic we're going to be discussing is classism between educators in teaching. Now, classism is the idea of, I guess, uh, being classist towards someone else, you know, um, separating yourself from others based on class. Um, now, Britain has a history of being obsessed with class. Um, you know, you, yeah, I mean, you don't have to look far back to find it. You know, the Titanic is a, is a, is a great example. That's always the one that, that people think about and look to. But Britain has always had an obsession with class. Now, interestingly enough, when I Googled classism in education earlier, no articles came up about classism when it came to teachers and the teaching community. Um, nothing, nothing was there. Um, the only things you could find were the impact of the class system on on young people. There was nothing about the impact of the class system on 
educators and adults. Now, I put a tweet out on the 3rd of January and it, it said this, I do think there is a class divide within the teaching community, sometimes translating into subtle snobbery, which is shocking considering how much every educator bangs the drum for decreasing edu inequalities amongst children. So to put that in a nutshell, something I've noticed is people being quite snobbish at times towards each other, whether that be on social media, whether it just be, sometimes it can just be a vibe that you get. Like, here's the elite group and here's the non-elite group. And sometimes you look at that and say, well, why, why, is, why is this group seeing itself as elite compared to this group or this individual? And you start to look at it and I think some of it does boil down to classism. I think some of it boils down to intrinsically, deep down, I or we think we are better because of the class that we belong to, which is a shocking indictment. If that is true, and we're going to debate that today, I've got Charlotte on in a second to discuss this, but if that is true, then that really is a shocking indictment because you can only spend 10 minutes on social media with teachers and you will see them talking about reducing the class divide between uh, be between different students. You'll see them talking about, look, we want to decrease the difference between pupil premium students and non-pupil premium students. We want to decrease the disadvantage gap and so on and so forth. It's, it's always there. It's always been there and it is always there. So when I think about that, I kind of look at it and think, but there's nothing when you search Google about adults and classism in education. I think it's something that we do need to discuss. And when I when I tweeted this out, I got a huge range of, of responses. Um, now, I, I think that some of the responses and most of the responses were in agreement. Um, but, I'll, but there were some who, who kind of disagreed in a way. But I'll, I'll read you. Uh, a few a few responses that we had. Sandra, Sandra Munier, uh, who is Sandra underscore actress on Twitter, tweeted, I've definitely seen snobbery based on which universities that you've studied at. I've seen that. I've seen that. If you have not studied at one of the elite universities in teaching, regardless of what people say, there is a difference. There is a there is that old boys network that's still there. I don't care what anyone says to me. In my opinion, by the way, this is strictly my opinion. There'll be others who disagree with me and that's fine. But I do think there's the old boys network. I still think that exists to some extent, maybe maybe less than you know, 100 years ago or whatever, but it definitely still exists. Uh, we had other responses here. Mr. Gutwell, yes, most definitely. In sociology, we talk about the fact that students that use a restricted code are immediately disadvantaged in the system. I think a lot of teachers also allow their own snobbery to influence their opinion of children. And Mr. Gutwell has, has given the example of the amount of makeup they wear. Well, possibly, Mr. Gutwell, but I think the, the, the focus here is on teacher-to-teacher -teacher snobbery. Uh, ID675 uh, has said, yes, I've heard teachers openly deride training routes that weren't four-year BA courses is not good enough. Definitely very open snobbery in the profession. Square peg at squarepeg47 on Twitter. Definitely snobbery around who you teach. Key stage five is seen as far superior. Okay. Uh, right, I mean, it goes on and on and on. There's lots of responses. Now, one of the responses that uh, stood out to me was from my guest, Charlotte Hayworth, uh, who is joining me in just a few moments time. And she said, 
This is exactly why I'm scared of blogging and releasing it into the sphere, into the world. For fear of being laughed at or whatever, it's a pretty scary place on here. I just love teaching and sharing my experiences with others and searching for more from others. Um, it's interesting this because I'll discuss this with Charlotte, but I, I think that there is an issue here with people feeling confident enough, teachers feeling confident enough to share ideas, to share practice, to share resources on Twitter for fear of people shaming it or ridiculing it or belittling it or laughing at it or criticizing it or whatever. Um, now, whenever you share something publicly, you have to accept that, that, that you know, you open yourself up to, to critique. Of course you do. But some of that critique can veer into snobby classism. Genuinely believe that. Uh, it can veer into, you know, um, I know more than you, I'm better than you. And some of that will be coming down to a class issue. Now, let me introduce my guest. I've got Charlotte Hayworth here. Charlotte is an assistant head teacher who is also a blogger. And I'm going to be talking to her all about uh, that comment that she made. Uh, she's also a mother, a geography hod, and uh, she likes reading books, mountain bikes, hills, and lifting weights. Uh, Charlotte, <laughs> have you been lifting any weights today? Hi, yeah, I have actually. I've, I've not long been back since the, from the gym. Yeah. Uh, now, <laughs> now, let's not shame everybody. We've just talked about <laughs> shaming other people, and you've started off by shaming other people. It's terrible. Sorry. <laughs> Um, right. I mean, my first question is, how do you get the energy to go and lift weights after a day after a day at work? Um, I, I kind of make myself go. It makes it's a good release. Um, I get to see lots of my mates. So it makes me go. I suppose I don't have much energy, but it, it does uh, help release the endorphins, which then boost the energy. Um, I, I've well, got a bit very... of a pattern to it as well. So it kind of fits in with the kids and stuff. So how often do you do that? Three, four times a week, if I can. Oh, I do go to an well. I do go to an early session. I go to a six o'clock one on a six o'clock in the morning, uh, on a Wednesday morning. Um, so that fits in with everything well as best I can. There are weeks when I don't, obviously. Um, just got to see how it goes, I suppose. Well, thanks very much for giving up the time because I know you're going to have a, a very busy schedule. Um, also, mm -hmm. welcome to Gary GC, who's just entered the live studio, and everybody else uh, listening on desktop or on mobile live, and, and everyone listening back. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I I wanted to talk to you about the tweet. I'm sure you heard me discussing it just there, the, mm. the tweet that I put out the other week about classism in education. And I wanted to start by asking you, do you how how significant do you think classism is between teachers in education? So I think it's there. I wouldn't say it's necessarily, in my experience, um, it's not massively prevalent. I think it very much depends where you work. Um, I've I've not experienced it in the sort of uh, the public realm, but at, at my current school, so I'm currently head of department and I'm going into an assistant head post at Easter. Um, I I suppose there is some evidence of it there between some teachers, and I think I've I've trained some ITT students. Um, and I think I can see it between them sometimes, sort of where have you come from? How have you got to this point in your sort of uh, your education? Why becoming a teacher? Where did you go to university? What did you study? And it can get back to that definitely as well. If you've not studied, you know, um, as a geographer, we're looking for geography students. And um, there is sometimes a, a presumption that if you've not done a straight geography, sort of human geography or, or uh, physical geography degree, that you can't then become a geography teacher. 
Um, you know, there are people who've done courses such as uh, environmental science and and I think sometimes those kinds of courses can be uh, looked down upon, certainly by other other teacher, uh, sorry, other student teachers. Um, I think it can also happen uh, between teachers. Yeah, I do. I haven't experienced it personally, not in my, not in any of my workplaces, Tom. Mm. Uh, I suppose that's lucky in many regards. Um, maybe that's because, and I mentioned this to you the other day, I, I have been raised in a really privileged way, and I'm really embarrassed to say this. Um, I went to private school. Uh, my parents decided that that was the best option for me. I don't, I don't, I, 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 I'm going to challenge you in a minute on this, okay. on the notion that it's <laughs> embarrassing because some parents will, you know, will, will have worked really, really hard to, to um, enable uh, opportunities for their children. Now, if they choose to use that to send them to a, to a private institution for whatever reason, then, you know, they, they've, I don't know, I've got a very, I mean, don't get me wrong. I have. I wasn't privately educated, but mm. i i have a I have a an attitude towards it that, that perhaps is more more liberal, perhaps okay. than, than others. Maybe. Okay. You see, I'm. <laughs> I think I've sort of rebelled against that a little bit, and having mm. become a teacher and worked in comprehensive schools throughout my career for the last twenty odd years, um, I am probably more against private and grammar school education than I ever realised I was um, mm. when I was younger. Um, I think at my sort of my experience, um, I think sometimes some teachers think that they can better themselves or become better or are above you because of the kind of university they went to. I do agree with that to a point. Um, but having said that, I don't think it's not for me anyway. It's not crazily prevalent. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, it's, no, it, it's it, not it, like it people does. walking around going, oh, you went to Leeds Met, but I went to Oxford. Um but I think there is an air of that Mm -hmm. and I think that there's a sort of it's sort of wafting around there um there are definitely for me some colleagues that I've had in the past and at present who uh judge um which students sorry judge students and so on based on which universities they want to go to pushing Mm -hmm. students to go towards the Russell Group universities and so on Mm -hmm. um and I, you know, I'm not so sure I'm I'm wholly down with that, to be honest with you. Um, when In what I put sense? that, um, well, with they've, you know, these courses are out there for these students to make decisions upon themselves, you know, and and yeah, it looks good for us to have loads of kids going mm. to to Newcastle and to you know to wherever it do. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even listen. Yeah. You know where I mean? The Russell Group University. Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, you know that looks great for us, but is it always the best for the student? And it's it. it we're, I knew we were going to digress because I'm I'm really sort of um, keen to get across the idea about well, not, it just exists everywhere, doesn't it? This classism, it, 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 it does. But I wonder whether I suppose I wonder whether it's it's more prevalent in Britain because of our kind of backstory, perhaps than you know Possibly. somewhere like the United States. I mean, yeah, I don't, I, yeah, 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 I don't know that for a fact. I'm just speculating. I'm sure. Yeah, if, I'll, I'll tell you who would be good now if she was here. Who'd have the answer? To this would be Tabitha. I bet she'd oh, have, yeah. I bet yeah, she'd have the answers she to this. Yeah. She'd tell me exactly what was but going it, on. <laughs> but it does go back, you know, I was just teaching today about the British Empire with, with my A-level students. And it, it does go back, you know, that historically we, yeah. you know, there's groups of people in this country that believe they're better than others. That's what classism is. You know, it's mm. a prejudice against 
other groups of socioeconomic groups. Uh, and it is endemic and it is in the press and the media fuel it and the government, oh my gosh, they really fuel it. You know, they yeah, make it yeah. worse for us. 10, 20, 30 fold, you know, and it's infuriating. Uh, my little boy is experiencing it in his school. Um, you know, there's kids saying, oh, I'm going to go to the grammar school because they push you and they make you work harder. And it begin, it's already begun there, hasn't it? You know, it's begun as a child's born um, and I, I, I do, and people stay with it throughout their lives. It's a difficult thing to shake off, I think. Um, I, I suppose I feel like I've tried to shake off that sort of past of mine where I went to private school and my parents made me do that. Um, well, we'll talk, we'll talk about the backstory there in a second. But, oh, I was going to ask Charlotte, can you, are you moving around at all with the oh, phone? Yeah, it, I'm sorry. It sounds, yeah, no, it's all right. It just sounds a bit like there's a pin sticking into my ear. Uh, oh, that's not good. I apologise. <laughs> I, I know what I'm doing. I'm so, um, I'm very effusive animated. when I talk. Yeah, yeah very animated. So I'm, I shall calm down. I shall hold on to the I desk. mean, you could just put, yes, you could put the phone on the desk. Maybe would that help? I don't know. It I is. Know, it maybe. is on the desk. I oh, is it? You're yeah. just you're just if you're waving your hands around. Yeah. Gesticulate. Is that better? Yeah. 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 That's better. Yeah. Okay. Just stay stay perfectly still. I'm going to not breathe. Um, okay. <laughs> um, no, but I, you know, actually, I think your backstory is is an interesting one in this context. So, you 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 went to private school, and and would you say, I mean, did you want to go there when you were a child? Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> It was a long time ago, Tom. Um, yeah, yeah. Did I, I don't know, actually. Uh, I think I probably just went along with it because I didn't mm. really, I don't remember being taken to uh, other schools to go and assess them for myself. I certainly don't remember doing that. I do remember once going into my mum and dad's loft and finding mm. a sheet of paper that my dad had written out with uh, all the sort of pros and cons of the different schools in the area. Um, and I think they'd, they'd obviously put their legwork in there for to meet their needs. Um and then they decided upon the school that I did go to. Um, I, I didn't not enjoy my time there, but I did leave there after my GCSEs and I went. I then went to a grammar school um, to do my A-levels. And I don't even know if that was the right thing to do either. I don't think they pushed me in the right way. Um, I wasn't one of the rich kids. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't sort of like upper middle class, mm, mm. upper class. Uh, I just came from Blackburn, basically, and went, and went to school yeah um yeah. I don't know did I want to go but I certainly don't want that for my children my my husband and I don't want that for our children um it just it it exacerbates the problem it makes it uh it, why do we not just send our children to the local comprehensive school we should mm. be able to do that we absolutely should be able to do that there shouldn't be this class divide and that's exactly what it is you know if you can pay for an education or if you can tutor your child to be able to go to a grammar school mm. Mm. um and that's what's happening now my son is in year five and his uh, peers are many of them are being tutored already mm. in year five to, to get into the gram the local grammar school um i mean what's that setting them up for what message does that say to those children and for me that message is you will go to this school because you're better than other people this is a better school and this is why you're going to go here. And I wholly disagree with that. Wholly disagree with that. And, and I think you're setting your children. How are they going to maintain that for the next, six, you know, five to seven years? It, it, are they, it's, a, it's almost semi-setting them up to fail when you tutor them to that point. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. We've actually had a caller in, Charlotte. So I'll, I'll see who it is. Yeah. And then uh, we'll see. Um, hello. 
Who am I speaking to? Who are we speaking to? Anyone? Anyone out there? Hello. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know what's going on. I've tried to uh, unmute them. They seem to. Have... Oh, hello. Is anyone out there? No, no, they're not. They're not. Oh. Sorry about that. It's all right. It doesn't matter. It happens all the time. People say, hey, Tom, can we have a phone call? Yeah, sure. Um, and then just, the line's dead. It's funny that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, but yeah, but I think that um, it, it, what, you, what you're saying is is right. But it, I mean, is the, is the, are there multiple ways this works? I mean, does, does it work in lots of different ways? Is there, is there like reverse classism or whatever? Is there like, I, <laughs> I went to a, you know, a really a, a, a bad school in a poor area and therefore I'm better than yeah. people who didn't. You know, is there actual reverse classism as well? I don't know. Uh, oh, Just I don't throwing know. that out there. Yeah, <laughs> that's quite a wild thought. I don't <laughs> think so. I don't think so. When no. I, so I did a bit of reading in preparation for this and everything oh, yeah. is from, is all about the other way around. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, I was just throwing that, that out there as a random yeah. thought. Um, <laughs> in terms of the, 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 there's that kind of political in the political class. There is mm. that thing of people trying to prove that they didn't go to a private school. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it does definitely. Um, yeah, but I wouldn't necessarily call that reverse classism. I don't know what I call that to be honest with you. <laughs> um, but it, um, but idiotic. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's, it's no, a question. No, I understand that. I, I don't. I don't think it works like that. I genuinely believe it's the other yeah. way around. I really yeah. do. So I, I just want to go back to your tweet, Charlotte, that you put yeah. out because you said it's a pretty scary place on here mm. with reference to Twitter and your mm. blog. We'll talk about your blog in a bit, but okay. Why do you think that? Where did that kind of thinking come from? I mean, you said for fear of being laughed at. Yeah. Um, presumably for sharing your blog you said about releasing it and then mm. getting laughed at mm. you said it's a pretty scary place mm. so do you want to expand on that yeah ab- absolutely so I follow a fair few people n- not thousands but a fair few people on Twitter uh, a, a huge range of people um, and some it's <sighs> I don't appear like I'm trying to group people but it appears as though like you said before um, that there are possibly um sort of groups of people that sit in different not necessarily sit in different camps but produce different sorts of things to put on twitter i've been a lurker on twitter for quite some time and decided recently to get more involved because of me becoming an assistant head and i thought i'd I'd, in charge of teaching and learning and I thought it would be a good way to sort of engage with people who are already in that position going into that position and so on and that's brilliant for that. That's absolutely fantastic. What I find really difficult is there are so many people sharing incredible blogs that are highly academic, incredibly well written, um, fully researched, fully referenced, fully coherent. And I just think I just want to write a little bit about little old me kind of taking this job in this little school in Lancashire. But am I going to look really stupid doing this? Like who's going to read? Who's going to want to read that? You know, people get their I I read them all the time. I'm obsessed with reading these people's blogs. And there are some Mm. incredibly intelligent people out there putting these things out there. So I think "Hmm, I, I don't think I should do that. Uh, I don't want to get laughed at. I don't want people to yeah. think they're not going to engage with that or they don't want to engage with me or pff, just shove that to one side. 
and it's that whole part of that culture I suppose comes from social media and, and the likes and the comments and the shares and things like that um and you see there was just people post these incredible blogs and I just think I couldn't I don't know if I could ever do that um and it but what, what is me. it what 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 out of interest though what, what what is it that makes a blog amazing to you I mean we you said there's amazing <laughs> blogs out there what what is it you're looking at and going this is amazing so um uh, there was a I can't remember I'm really sorry to the person who wrote this but oh, I can't sorry. remember who it was she, but she wrote an amazing piece about retrieval practice and uh, it was shared by people who I class in the sort of class in the higher realms of education and it, I thought nobody would ever retweet mine so they're writing really erudite really uh, clear practice really well thought out researched pieces of work and I am sort of blown away by it, really. Um, so it's often about pedagogy. Um, and it's not just yeah. sort of um, like a little diary of your day or anything like that. It's really educational. It's really academic and very powerful sort of work that's coming out. But it's, 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 it's interesting that, that you say that, though, that, that word academic. Um, because I, I, you know, personally, I feel, and I, I was thinking about this yesterday, actually. I tweeted something about this yesterday. Mm. That there isn't there is an academic dominance, let's say, within the the kind of teaching community at the moment, within mm. government circles as well, above teacher expertise. Mm. Um, now let me try and expand on that. I think that there are people who perhaps are less able to produce, I don't know, a podcast, a blog. Uh, maybe they maybe they don't have time to, to spend as much time on social media or spend as much time producing content as other people do. Mm. But within their work environments, they are completely accomplished. They work in challenging environments. They, you know, they, they, they have a, a huge wealth of experience. Now, mm. I get, I totally get that a product's a product. If somebody creates an amazing blog or an amazing podcast or an amazing piece of work reflecting on their own practice, then that piece of work is amazing. It is. Mm. And, I, and they've put the time in and they've had the time to do it. But equally, there's a lot out there who I feel are perhaps too easy. A, they're too easily disencouraged. Dis, well, I don't know the word. Disencouraged, I was going to say. Mm. Unencouraged. What the hell's the word? Discouraged. Discouraged. Thank you. Discouraged. God, <laughs> there we go. Um, who are discouraged. And I think in, in the way that you're describing now, you know, mm. um, I think there's people out there who are discouraged because what they're writing doesn't fit with the with the with yeah. the dominant way that things yes. are now expected to be written. I mean, even if you look at tears, if you look at Schools Week, if you look at the different publications out there, they are crying out for this kind of way of writing and this content behind the writing that is very much down one particular, in my opinion, down one particular academic avenue. Um, uh, and even even the uh, not necessarily the style of writing, but yes, there is this yeah. certain uh, there is a certain trend in the last few years that is that is prevalent in terms of what people want. And some people are more adept at writing in that way, of producing content in that way, and having the time to do it. But that doesn't make them a better teacher. It doesn't make mm. them a better leader. Mm. It doesn't make them a better person. Mm. It doesn't make them anything better actually based on the reality of practice mm. um i mean you have to remember that only 15 to 20 percent of teachers are on um twitter and, and on kind of social you know on, on yeah. twitter certainly i don't know about the other social networks so I, 
I just wondered again, you know, the blog you mentioned, the retrieval practice blog, and you mentioned it was it was retweeted and shared by people in the upper echelons of education, or <laughs> something along those lines. You said, yeah. "What what is that? What is what is the upper echelon? What what is well, classed as that in your opinion?" Yeah, What's I don't, the upper echelon of education? <laughs> I don't want to be naming people, really. No, 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 I, I'm not asking no. you. I'm saying what, what constitutes that? What is that? So these are the people that have, oh, <laughs> these are the people that are, I suppose these are the, the people out of, I, when I think about it, I think it's really daft, people out of schools, I suppose, out of who are researching yeah. and spending 100% of the time researching and writing. Yeah. Um. I think that's perhaps who I'm referring to. Um, I think it's really, I didn't know that it was only about 15 to 20% of teachers are on Twitter. That's quite it a surprising is, yeah. number because it, it doesn't feel like that when you're on there. But no, I suppose, no, it doesn't. <laughs> I suppose the majority of those people who I follow could be people who are, their work is solely dedicated to doing that to doing that research to doing that writing about uh, those things I suppose and I don't but I, it's hard isn't it social media is a funny thing and it can skew your mm. perspective mm. Mm. on what is out there um, I think you have to be careful um, because it can be it can feel very overwhelming that I think that's how I felt and I thought how can little old me just pop a little bit of a you know a little blog about me becoming a, an assistant head teacher hallelujah I'm so excited and mm-hmm. then and, and who on earth would want to read that I did get somebody sort of who I would class in the oppressions um and sort of supporting me saying do it do it do it go for it go for it um and then I just feel really daft because I think thanks very much that's really cool of you I'm I'm so grateful for that and then I see what they retweet and see this brilliant academic research and these blogs and podcasts that are like I say all those things before and I just think why would yeah. I put mine out there yeah it, it's does interesting you, it totally does everything every I'll be honest with you Charlotte everything you've just said I've heard probably from 10 people 10 other people in the last mm. few years who've said mm. exactly the same thing that you've just said whether it be a blog or whatever putting information out there Mm. Um, and there resources. is that... it could be resources. Resources, absolutely. Yeah. Resources is the other big one. Re- yeah. Teaching resources is the other big one. So many people are utterly discouraged from sharing stuff yeah. because they feel that they um, it's not good enough. That's right. People might critique share. it. Absolutely. Yeah. But it's not even it's not even the idea of critique. It's that people won't respect what is what is what is being mm. put out there. And yeah. it's strange to me because. Every single person who says that to me is usually, you know, very, very experienced and accomplished. Um, mm. One that I was speaking to very recently, uh, you know, head of department, uh, you know, uh, 15 years experience, um, obviously an excellent teacher. I mean, obviously, and, and, you know, there's no doubt about that. Very interesting things. And yet very, very uncertain about um, being able to, to give anything to the teaching community of value. Mm. And it's interesting you said at the beginning there, outside of schools, outside of the classroom. And, and that was what I was getting at when, when we were talking about the upper echelons. You said that they tended to be outside. Mm. And that, in some senses, is true. Because when you see a, a, a blog or a piece of content and you actually look behind it, you think, hang on a minute, that's why. There is a reason why. If you, I'm not being funny, Charlotte. Let me put it this way. If I said to you, I'll give you... I'll 
take I'll take off your teaching timetable. I'll give you an extra two days off a week. I bet you could produce something along the lines of Chaucer. <laughs> you know what could, I mean? Yeah. I, yeah. I, 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 I don't mean this in the sense that anyone can write well. I don't mean anyone can write well. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that. But I am saying that, given time, mm. most teachers are pretty good at talking and writing. That's mm. a lot of what they have to do. So people have a lot of ability out there. I genuinely think that the biggest, and that's why it's a shame to me that people uh, feel that way. And the reason they feel that way is often because they don't have enough time to produce the blogs, to produce the podcast, to produce the things. And actually there's some incredibly talented practitioners out there who are feeling like they're not good enough, who are feeling this imposter syndrome. And from what you've just said, you're one of those. You, You know, you've set up this blog and yet... I don't know how many blogs you published. Is it one, two? I don't know. But it's it's two at the moment. I'm you've done two. Yeah. And you already feel as though because of this other blog, and you mentioned this, I can't remember the one you mentioned on retrieval practice by uh, you didn't say the name, but it was yeah. it was shared widely. It was a really good blog. Mm. And you and you was I think I've read it actually. I think it was really good. Um and she shared this blog and it was mm. it was shared and praised. And you feel as though your content wouldn't be as good as that. Yeah, it doesn't match. It's not the same. It's not the same sort of rigorous content. I've I I sort of empty my head. Uh, this is what I'm doing, you know. And I I am a really good classroom practitioner. I'm proud of what I do. I've run a, uh, run several brilliant departments. I'm I love teaching. Love teaching so much. Yeah. Um, and I, but I just I, I don't know. I just thought, God, when I read that, I think flipping heck I can't but again it does come down to like like you just said then that time element I suppose I mean I do read an awful lot of stuff um but actually sitting down to gather my thoughts and to put something together is very time consuming and I'm sure that 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 blog post that she put together was not just written in 20 minutes on a a, a Sunday afternoon Mm -hmm. it would have been something that would have taken her a period of time to put together but it doesn't feel like that when you're reading it you just think oh god flipping heck I can't do that I mean Kate Kate Jones is here and and she's just commented oh hi (laughs) yeah 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 um I'm guessing she would count in your upper echelons yeah definitely (laughs) obviously I was going to mention her actually because I think Kate's coming for a fair amount of of stick um unfair stick by the way she but what what Kate's absolutely brilliant at is saying uh hang on a second um you need to um first of all you need to make sure if you're using my stuff please uh reference me okay ask me Mm -hmm. check with me you know put my name on that thanks very much and she's really good at doing that um but I I don't know I think I hope Kate doesn't take this the wrong way but I suppose I associate more with Kate although she's I, I was listening to um an old podcast of her with her on Naila's Natter and yeah uh I was just like, gosh, she's brilliant. She knows so much, so much. I can't. She and does. she's talking so eloquently about it on with with Phil. And I thought, mm. oh, this is amazing. You know, um, I can't do that. I thought I can't. I'm never going to be able to do that. But uh, you know, and she teaches. You know, she's a teacher. She's she, actually she in the does, classroom. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I, I think. I think. Listen, I think that, uh, and Kate, I'm sure would agree with me if if she was actually talking now is, you know, and, and I'd, I'd also add myself in here as well. Um, I don't have kids. Mm. <laughs> and and neither, do, neither does Kate, as far as I know. So it's it's not, um, it, it, that takes up a massive chunk of time. Mm. Also, 
and I think this is one that, that often gets overlooked, is, is leadership. You, you are an assistant head teacher. Mm. I think, you know, it, it does take up a lot more a lot more time outside of school possibly to, mm. to do. I mean, you could uh, cut down on your weightlifting, Charlotte. <laughs> You no know, you're doing, four, you're doing four days a week of weightlifting. You could maybe <laughs> lift a few less weights, but yeah, we, yeah, we don't want you to start doing that. But all, all I'm saying is there is a time issue. But also, yes, the imposter syndrome is real. And as I mm. said to you, there's a head of department I was talking to this last week, 15 years experience, fantastic practitioner, too scared, not only too scared to share anything, but also feeling as though she would be laughed at, she would be ridiculed, yeah. she would, she would, it's not worthy for her to post what she posts. Mm -hmm. I do think that there is a, a, a real problem with this. And it, it's something actually that, okay, I miss your call. Okay, she just tried to call in. I'll, I'll connect her up in a second. Um, but it, it is a real problem. It is a real problem, yes. particularly on particularly on Twitter. But this is the problem. As I said to you, there's only a small percentage. I mean, my last school that I worked in, only 10, 15% of the staff there were on Twitter. So if you'd have gone up to them and said, blogs, they'd have gone, what? <laughs> Education blogs. <laughs> Second, if you'd have said, would you ever write a blog? They'd have probably gone, oh, yeah, why not? They wouldn't have yeah, gone, okay. they wouldn't have gone, oh, God, there's so many. And what you said is interesting. About, I really think that's an interesting comment. When I said, the first thing you said, when I said about people in the upper echelons of the education community was they're outside schools. Yeah. Now that is a big problem in the system. Tom Starkey last night on, on Teachers Talk Radio actually was talking about uh, the lack of teacher voice, you know, and, and, okay. and the lack of teachers, classroom teachers and leaders feeling like they aren't worthy enough or good enough to share. Mm. And, and that is a real problem that, that mm. has developed because of social media. There's mm. been many positives from social media that many more teachers have got a voice. Um, I think there are, and, and we talked about, I mean, this whole segment is really about classism. And I do think there's a class element underneath it. I don't know whether yeah. it's a class, I don't know whether it's a class element in the traditional sense, but there's definitely a, an elitism attached to some of this. Not in the sense of, I don't mean in the sense of, you know, a particular blogger sits there and thinks, no. oh, I've got an elite attitude, but there is a general elitism across the system. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, the the people I connect with the best on social media are the people perhaps who um, I feel come from a, a maybe not the same background but similar background to me mm. or you know similarish. Yeah. Um, they and, and maybe it's because I'm from the northwest and from you know mm. the Wirral or whatever. But yeah. they're, they're, <laughs> I'm not slagging on the Wirral, but I'm just saying. No, but I think that's really Merseyside. important. You know, there is, yeah. there, is a, there is an element of that. So mm. if, and that's where I think that uh, people from uh, different communities around the UK, particularly in the North, actually, um, do do need perhaps a bigger voice. Um, and yeah. and uh, there, is a, there is definitely, in my opinion, a bit of subtle snobbery going on. Yeah, I'm just thinking more and more about it as I sort of think about meetings and so on that are taking place and about that sharing of resources type of thing as well. Um, and that's a real shame that that head of department, uh, a successful head of department, doesn't mm. feel as though that they can they can share that in the wider realm. Um, I actually think that that can happen on a small scale within schools as well. I think some teachers probably feel nervous and, and worried about sharing their resources, you know, when you, mm. when you sort of oh, put absolutely. stuff together. Thinking, I think it happens oh, within schools. Yeah. I think the, the exact same thing happens yeah, in a microcosm mirrored. within yeah, schools. Absolutely. There's, yeah. there's jealousy, yep. there's sniping. Yep. Although I, I think on Twitter, what you see is more of a 
bigger picture of it. You see yeah. it across a wider network. In school, yes. you could put it down to kind of, oh, there's a bit of politics or whatever. Whereas mm. on Twitter, if you see it, you go in and you see it, you know, a hundred times. You go in, yes, hang on a minute, this is a bit of a pattern here. There's yeah. something going on here. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yes, uh, definitely. So, um, and it's, uh, it's a real shame, definitely, because, and we do need to have a bigger voice. But, but, but again, and it's not just time, I don't think. I think... You know, these people in these upper echelons, this is their job. It's the same weightlifting. I often, you know, I often look at people on, on the internet, on, on social media, and I look at these amazing weightlifters and think, why can't I lift 100 kilograms above my head? Well, look, because I Charlotte, don't do it 24 don't, hours a day. You Charlotte, don't. you don't have to feel that way about me when you look <laughs> at my body. All right. It's, um, it's, I know it's tough. Um, yes, but really but you just got to just keep going, you know. I'm, I know I'm lifting like two fifty a day, you know. Oh, on, on, on there. Not even a, a fifty McDonald's on my right arm, you know, <laughs> lifting that up. Um, anyway, Kate's called in. Kate, how are you this evening? Hi, I just wanted to call in because there was a few things I wanted to say. First of all, oh hit us. Oh well, she's been way too hard on yourself about blogging, <laughs> and I felt that I don't know Tom if you remember this years and years ago and I probably had about 200 Twitter followers and I shared an idea and it got absolutely ridiculed and mm. people were really cruel and I almost deleted Twitter so like I have been there and I didn't mm. and I thought okay but it really knocked my confidence and the people mocking me had thousands of followers and then um the woman who did that years later, I remember when she read my book, Love to Teach, and praised it. Mm. And I don't know if she even realized that I'm the same person, you know. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and this, this, I don't think people do oh, realize. And even recently in a blog post where somebody said, oh, this is a bad idea. And it was my idea. The most damaging oh, aspect. Yes, that. Yeah, the most damaging aspect of that was the amount of teachers who messaged me and said the same thing. I don't want to write a blog now or post an idea on Twitter in, yes. for that reason. Mm. And the idea that the person was writing about was my retrieval grid. And the critique mm. that he made, I'd made before him. I had created an idea, a retrieval grid idea, mm. I don't know, two years ago, whatever, probably longer than that. And then I've since said, oh, on reflection, there's too many questions, I'd adapt it mm. like this. And I don't mind critique of that idea. The way he went about it, it was lazy and it was poor and it was in bad taste. Mm. And I challenged him on that, you know, and it's not the critique of, of my idea per se, but it's sort of, first of all, he used an image that he shouldn't have that is under mm. Creative Commons license. So I do think if you're going to blog, then you should be aware of this stuff because he could, you know, potentially I wouldn't, but he could have, financial implication yeah you posted about that actually you put a good link on about where to get images from didn't you well exactly if you're going to be you know be lazy and just google an image of a teacher's classwork or resource find the original source cite it exactly. find out if you need to seek permission even you know tom sherrington said this why not reach out to the original yes. creator and have that discussion with them mm. instead of a cheap shot through mm. a blog which again i've published several books it's fine mm. you know i'll take it on the chin but i am as you can tell angry that lots of other teachers now feel oh i don't want to share my idea now on twitter mm. what if that happens to me they take a screenshot they go this is bad mm. and they embarrass that other teacher yeah. so i think that the critique is one thing 
but the way that we do it in the profession is another. And the way it was done recently was a bad example of it. Yeah, so, and, and that person could have had a, a, a really decent conversation with you about it. Absolutely. I've had lots of conversations yeah, like of that. And when I've delivered um, presentations, I, I've said, what's wrong you know, with this or what's the potential mm-hmm. issues? And people have said, well, people might avoid those questions. The students might not do that or there's too many questions. They are conversations we should be having. Mm-hmm. They are really important. Mm-hmm. No idea, technique, resource is perfect. perfect. Yeah. But to write a blog post and then for others to go, this is excellent. Well, really? Is that is that the profession that we we are? You yeah, know, I definitely. don't. I, and I, there was no. Pro- he'd not contacted you prior to. to no, that. He, he said he didn't know, but he's obviously found the image on Google, and you can. You know, Tom Shervinson said to him, there is a source. It's really, yeah, of course there is. <laughs> really not difficult. That's why he said it was lazy. It's really mm. not difficult mm. to find out that I was the creator of that grid. Also, you know, how did he not know that? Do you know what I mean? Well, even Those if he grids, didn't. You, people know. But even if he didn't, that's fine. You know, but he could find out. He could have yeah. easily found out that, mm. you know, through two clicks. And yeah. I think that's why... If you're going to blog, um, there's things to be aware of. Mm. Um, so anyway, and, and I think I think that's that also brings me makes me a little bit more hesitant as well, Kate, because I want to be careful. I don't. I certainly don't want to be going around damning anybody else's work in that sort of way. And I wouldn't do that. I don't think anyway. Um, so yeah, I think. I think you do have to be careful. You do have to be mindful. You do have to be kind and thoughtful. And that doesn't happen all the time. Well, a lot of the time, as we've seen over the last, well, forever on Twitter, but, you know, it, it comes and goes, doesn't it, on Twitter in, in fits and starts. Um, and people aren't kind and people aren't thoughtful. They're thoughtless about that. And the fact that you weren't approached or properly, the, the image wasn't properly cited is a it is a you know signifies that that's happening yeah but and it's as i said it's so you know it's been dealt with but and i'm yes. resi- resilient enough now whereas i think early in my career that could have been something where yeah. i've gone right i'm not blogging again yeah. i'm not sharing an idea again and then i'm shut down and my confidence is knocked and perhaps people who are successful authors and bloggers perhaps forget that we started off at that point too you know so this is really I think one thing one thing that that I would throw in there and this is a general point not necessarily linked to, to that example but there is a strange sense of competition sometimes between professionals now I think some of that is healthy I think some of that is is good for innovation but when it dwells into the realms of of kind of what we're talking about is people feeling uh you know uh kind of pushed out of the conversation or attacked or whatever then it then it then it can cause real problems for the profession so i i think there is an element of that that kind of competition and 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 kind of you know who's got the latest idea who's got the latest trend who's i mean you you mentioned charlotte the this idea of the upper echelon well you mentioned the phrase the upper echelons of education and even that phrase in itself you know who is in the upper echelon i mean i've kind of put across the argument that you know the classroom teacher, the the, the full time leader, the experienced head of department. The, these people, to me, should be within. 
the upper echelons. But often, and mm. you mentioned yourself, the first thing you said was people out of school are in the mm. upper echelons. Mm. And, and I don't think that's right. I, I understand why yeah. it's the case, because they have more time perhaps to, to do things. Perhaps some of them uh, are academics, you know, so they, they, they have more of a more of a handle on the stuff that, that is in demand at the moment, mm. uh, material that's in demand. But uh, it's not necessarily right, in my opinion. That's my two pennies. I've said a lot there. I'm also I'm just copying I'm just copying an image at the moment and tweeting it out just from Google of, of what I've just said. So just bear with me. Um, I'm trying to be I'm trying to be amusing. It's not that amusing. Is it? It's a bit funny. I think. Do you know what else? I just came into my mind then when Kate, you're both quite significantly younger than I am. I'm 43, and I think there's an element of that as well that sort of puts well, me I am a bit 37. on edge. Oh shush, you're miles behind, Charlotte. Well, is it really? <laughs> but, yeah. but I do feel as though you know I feel sometimes like. Like um, at 43, you know, pe- people sort of say, oh, you, you've only just got an assistant headship. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. because I've been doing some well good stuff, actually. And and there is an element of that, actually, as well, where people, there's a bit of snobbery around that and where you've got to in your career and mm-hmm. and, and how you are. And so, actually, I've really enjoyed being a classroom teacher. I, I, that's what I'm really good at. And I, and I love it. I love yeah. being in the classroom with the kids. Yeah. Um, don't judge kind of kind of thing I suppose some of that comes in there as well um and I do sometimes feel as though I'm a bit behind I'm 43 and you know just stepping into SLT I knew Charlotte I knew a postman who said he was a bit behind back in the day um I'm gonna have to move on aren't we move on Well, listen, I think we, we could literally talk about this till the cows come home. Yeah, and I've definitely. very much enjoyed it. And thank you, Kate, for calling in uh, as well to, to kind of add to that. Thanks. Um, I'm going to go, but great. Yeah, cheers, I'll Kate. keep listening. Cheers. <laughs> Thanks, See Kate. you later. Uh, yeah, a really interesting conversation. I mean, my, my kind of last message to you, Charlotte, would be, and I said this to you on, on Twitter anyway yeah. the other week, is, is have a go um, in the sense that, have a go and, and see, see what happens. Because yeah. I, like Kate said, she's right, you know, a blog doesn't have to have academic references in it. It doesn't have to be mm. a certain format. We've trained ourselves because of current trends in the market to mm. believe that a blog should be written in a certain way. Mm. But it doesn't have to be written in any way. If it's accessible, yeah. it makes a difference. And if it connects with people, I mean, obviously, you know, that's not to say don't do th- do something or do something else. It's just saying it's, it's about the connection. It's about the impact. And it, you know, we are in the middle of that trend and you probably shouldn't be put off by what everyone else is doing no, kind of you, thing. I, I completely understand that. And I probably will continue. I, I, well, I'll try my very, very best to find some time to continue to blog, definitely, because I did enjoy it. The first couple of posts that I did, I did enjoy. It was lovely to see that people were reading it, um, which was helpful for my for my own confidence yeah. and yeah. ego. Um, <laughs> so I will I will give it another go. And I kept showing my husband, look, I've had 100 views. Look at that. You, uh, you know, so, yeah, I, I will do. Uh, and, and maybe I'll flip between sort of what I write about and, and keep it, you know, not just in sort of one niche, I suppose, yeah. if you will. Yeah. yeah. All right, Charlotte. Well, listen, uh, hope to speak to you again soon. And uh, thanks Thank for you. coming on TTR. And uh, yeah, thanks cheers. for having me. Thank thanks you very much, Don. Take care. See you, Charlotte. Bye bye. That was Charlotte Hayworth talking about classism and all all things else, really, in, in education. Um, we're going to go to the, the news in a second. After the news, I've got Paul Etock, uh, who's already in the studio, uh, who's going to be calling in in a couple of minutes time to talk about uh, remote teaching and whether remote teaching could offer a solution 
bear with me, a solution to the teacher well-being and retention crisis. I'm going to be talking to Paul all about that after the news break. When we come back, you are listening to Teachers Talk Radio. We are live on The Late Show with me, Tom Rogers, and I'll see you in a couple of minutes' time. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cat. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondelettersandsounds.org.uk. Teachers Talk Radio is delighted to support Winston's Wish, the UK's childhood bereavement charity. Winston's Wish supports children and their families after the death of a parent or sibling. They provide emotional and practical bereavement support. Expert teams also provide online resources, specialist publications and training for professionals. Find out more about Winston's Wish and pledge your support at www.winstonswish.org. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. According to a report in the Times Educational Supplement, the current state of SEND provision in England is resulting in magnet and honeypot schools. Magnet schools is a term which has increasingly been given to settings which have a higher percentage of students with SEND on roll than is reflected in the local community. Many of these schools are concerned that their higher than average proportion of students with SEND is not significantly recognised by Ofsted or the government. Pep Delazio, head teacher of Wales High School in Sheffield, says his school is a magnet school and added... It's like having a five-star review on TripAdvisor. This year's open evening was frightening. We had parents coming from all over the nearby authorities we serve because of our reputation. And that is worrying because while we want to do our best for these students, how long can we maintain it? According to the most recent government data, between 2015 and 2021, the number of SEND students in England rose from 991,981 to 1,083,003. In October, Nadim Sahawi said that he recognised the urgency around providing the provision of SEND. The Education Secretary, Nadim Sahawi, has backed the reduction of the COVID isolation period from seven to five days, saying it would be more helpful. Speaking to the Sunday Times, he said, the UK Health Security Agency have said they want to review it. So we will stick to seven days, but if they review it and say they will bring it down to five days, then that is even better for me. It's even more helpful. 
His comments come after parents were urged to book jabs for their children as official COVID deaths passed 150,000 in the UK. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Last week I looked at some free apps for the New Year's resolution of getting fit and healthy. This week I tried a few things out and I'm ready to present my findings. First up, the free version of MyFitnessPal. There's an old age saying that 90% of fitness is in the kitchen. If you want to get in shape, you have to have the right building blocks to do so. With this in mind, I set out to log everything I ate and for good measure, I even broke out the scales to get portion sizes correct. My first discovery is that 45 grams of granola, the recommended portion size, is nothing like the portion I've been having. In fact, I'd go as far as to say that it wouldn't even fill a hamster. Realising I was eating three or four times the portion I was supposed to was made me think about my other choices, so I ate the recommended 45 grams and logged the milk. I was surprised how easy it was to find foods in the search feature, even supermarket brands. The app gave me a calorie target based on my weight, height and goal I'd chosen. As I had a coffee, I decided to map out my day and stick to it to stop myself cheating. After a week of tracking, I reviewed what I was eating. I could see where most fat and calories were coming from, allowing me to consider, I'm not promising anything, where I could make changes. The question you want me to answer is, did I lose weight? The answer is yes, but I think my next experiment had the most impact on that. Over the break, I managed to fall asleep watching TV and woke up to an infomercial on a DVD box set to get fit in 60 days. 60 days sounds quite quick, but thinking about it, it's practically two months. However, I did a bit of research and found a program that didn't need any weights or equipment, just floor space. I picked up the Insanity Workout series for around £35 on Amazon. My thinking being, you'd pay that for a month in a gym and I get to keep this forever. Now, I will confess, I do consider myself quite fit already. However, nothing could have prepared me for this. With Sean T, the amazing energetic coach screaming dig deeper and about 20 fitness professionals bouncing around what looked like a high school gym i've spent 45 minutes a day for the past six days jumping stretching squatting and definitely sweating being honest i was ready to tap out after the warm-up on day one i'm not gonna lie i used muscles i don't think i've ever used by day three even sitting still and lying in bed at night hurt after pushing through today on day seven a rest day the pain has subsided and i feel great i just have one word of warning if you're looking to do something like this the long walk from the car park with a load of books may be impossible in the first week read the disclaimer this is not to be taken lightly in conclusion i can't see myself keeping up my fitness pal once the novelty wears off but it has made me look at my diet a dvd fitness program for me is great finding 45 minutes is not always easy and if you want to try before you buy if you're a member of netflix or prime already there's programs on there which you're already in your subscription. Next week, we're back to Tech for Teaching. I'm Steve Woods, and this was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Ah, Steve, he always makes me laugh. Love it. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Gail. Uh, thank you for the whole news team for everything they do on Teachers Talk Radio. Had a few comments. Tazawar, I think that's how you pronounce your name. Not sure, though. Correct me if I'm wrong. He says, hi, how are you all? Well, I'm not doing bad tonight. Uh, I'm broadcasting live out of Liverpool, UK. I've got Mesa calling in now, and I've also got Paul waiting to speak too. So I'll just bring Paul in first. Paul, how are you this evening? Are you okay? Yeah, yeah, good. Thanks, Tom, yourself? Excellent. Not too bad, not too bad. And thank you very much for coming on to talk all about uh, your views on remote teaching. So that's going to be an interesting one. I know Mesa has been patiently waiting, and he's asked a question, which is, what is your advice for someone like me who wants to start to teach. Macy, you're now unmuted. So if you want to 
tell us your name, where you're calling from. Uh, hello, guys. Uh, my name is uh, Maysam, not Mesa. All right. Uh, uh, I want to uh, start to teach, uh, and uh, now I'm an uh, English teacher and uh, IELTS trainer. Uh, and I want to uh, start about uh, two or uh, seven uh, weeks uh, later. Uh, and uh, what's your advice for me? Right, so you, you, you're saying that you want to teach English in Australia. And you, where are you based at the moment, Mesa? Uh, uh, Iran. Iran, okay. So I think I think one thing I would say is, uh, Maysam, is, is, is be passionate about, want to do it. You know, that's the first thing. If you want to do it, then you're going to do well. Um, so if, if you've got passion to teach students, keep that passion, bring that passion through with you. I would say read as much as you can. If you can maybe get some experience going into a school and working in a school, that would be great as well to kind of hear uh, and see what other teachers do. Uh, I think that would be really helpful in advance of going into it. Um, work hard. I'm sure you'll do that anyway. And always try to try to value the experience, the, the blessing, if you want to say that, of being able to be a teacher, you know, and, and think about that. Um, I mean, are you are you worried about being a teacher or are you feeling confident? Uh, no, I'm not uh, worried about that. Uh, uh, I was a coach for uh, in uh, karate and uh, gymnastic, and uh, I know what, what uh, I know uh, how I can uh, uh, relate with uh, my uh, students. Uh, and uh, now uh, I don't want to uh, teach uh, at, at schools. Uh, uh, I'm a teacher in a, an institute, uh, and uh, I'm a, a private uh, teacher, and uh, I want to uh, teach in a private uh, classes. Uh, and of course, uh, IELTS uh, is uh, really hard uh, for uh, certain people, and. Uh, uh, of course, uh, lots of uh, people in my country uh, wants to migrate to uh, Europe or uh, the USA or uh, another uh, countries. And yes. uh, someone wants to uh, take a six uh, score, uh, but I know that uh, six is uh, not enough uh, for uh, them that uh, wants to migrate. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I mean, I haven't got the answers to the, the immigration question. I don't have the answer to that. But in terms of teaching, I'm sure that if you've got that experience and, you know, you, you, you feel able to do it, then I'm sure it'll work out for you. Um, I'm sure it will. And good luck to you as well. Um, if you want to just subscribe on the website, Maysam, and, and keep listening, listening to Teachers Talk Radio, that'll help you. Keep listening to these shows. Um, you'll learn, hopefully learn a lot from from listening in about teaching in the UK and, and teaching internationally as well. So thanks for calling in and uh, talk again. Cheers, mate, Sam. Thank you. Okay, that was mate, Sam calling all the way from Iran and from Iran to... Liverpool again, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> not, probably not far away. <laughs> yeah, 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 probably. Uh, yes, absolutely. Paul, do you want to introduce yourself really quick in terms of your job role and, and what you're doing? Yeah, I can do, yeah. Um, well, so, obviously, I'm called Paul. Um, I am, current position, difficult to describe, actually. I'm, I'm head of history, government and politics, but also PSHE, citizenship, 
RSHE, all those sort of things come into it. Um, I'm listening to your previous discussion. I'm mm. quite ancient, really. I'm 45. Oh. <laughs> I've been, been doing this for 22 years now, so... Goodness. Um, been around the block, you might say. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. And, and interested. the reason I've invited you on is because the other week I was talking about, well, I wrote a blog actually about remote uh, remote teaching and, and, and how remote teaching and learning might help um, with, with the teacher retention crisis. And the question that I asked was, uh, the poll that I put out initially was, did you find teaching from home and remote teaching more or less stressful as a teacher? And then I asked people to say why in the comments. Now, just the results of the poll first, 38.9% mm-hmm. said they found it much more stressful. Uh, 22.4% said they found it a little more stressful. 20.8% said a little less stressful. And 18% said much less stressful. Now, I think, Paul, from yeah. your response, that you are in that 18%. <laughs> yeah. I think right. you yeah, said, right, yeah. I'll, I'll give you the quote that you said in <laughs> yeah, response, teaching without interruption, being able to get on with stuff in PPA time, better mm-hmm. coffee and lunches, better <laughs> toilet facilities, no commute into work. It actually showed me how people in other lines of work live and open up my eyes to possibilities outside of teaching. I wondered whether you could maybe expand on that and, and give me your general thoughts based on that, that tweet. Maybe expand on some of the points you made there. Talk about your experience yeah. of remote teaching. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, it was two different lockdowns, really, wasn't it, in a sense? So the first one, was, was a little bit different. And, the, and I could argue the second one was a bit more stressful, a bit less stress-free. Um, I think the first one, I mean, sometimes you have like really difficult years in school, don't you? We all, well, we all know that. Um, yeah. And the year 1920 was, you know, for a host of reasons, cohorts, uh, classrooms, all sorts of stuff, quite a stressful year. So it was the year nineteen, like, the year nineteen twenty was a really tough year. World War One <laughs> had just ended. It was it, Treaty of Versailles had just been signed. It was it was <laughs> a very oh nineteen twenty. <laughs> sorry, I another dad joke. I am full of dad jokes today, Paul. So just That's okay. be patient. Be patient. I'm not oh. a dad, but I've got a whole thing of dad jokes. Carry on. Oh, don't worry. I'm a connoisseur of dad jokes. <laughs> the, the more, the better. Yeah. But yeah, that particular year was. Um, I remember, you know, it's funny. I remember when they said about the, the pandemic, um, about closing schools, I thought, oh, you know, we're going to lose two weeks of revision here. And I was really panicking already. <laughs> and, and then when they said to go home and switch your computers off because you won't be returning for quite some time, it hit me, wow, this is <laughs> this is a lot bigger than I thought. I thought it would be a two-week window or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I remember getting home. And actually, I mean, the quote about the coffee, I remember making myself a really nice coffee, sitting at um, at the table in the kitchen and starting to plan a few lessons and thinking, wow, well, this is nice. It's quiet. There was no one disturbing me. There was no one knocking on the door to kind of just borrow you for two minutes kind of thing. Because I don't think, there can't be many of us who, who can remember having a free where no one's been to see. I mean, sometimes it's a welcome guest, isn't it, to come and have a chat. It is if you go and sit in a cupboard, <laughs> Paul, like Correct. I tend to. What I do is I tend to go off somewhere. Um, yeah. In my previous school, there was a little cubby hole that I found that no one could see, <laughs> and I don't think anyone knew existed. And I used to go there and put headphones in, and, yeah, that was my, they were my freeze, generally. Very non-sociable, I have to say, but, 
yeah. Yeah, but that's the thing, isn't it? It's like you think, I mean, I don't know, because, you know, it's 20, 23 years since the different job, but I can't remember being constantly disturbed, I suppose is the right word, but mm-hmm. like I say, sometimes it's it's because you don't really speak to, you don't get a chance to speak to grown-ups as much in work, obviously. Um, and so sometimes the chance to have a quick natter with your friends and a free does sometimes take up 20, 30 minutes and you think, uh-oh. But there's times, we all know, don't we, when there's really tense times, you're like, I really need to maximise every single minute of every bit of yes. spare time I've got. Yes. And that's when someone will knock on your door and say, can you just come and do such and such or any chance you could help us with this? And that's, it can be quite demoralising, can't it? And the, the, the sort of the distance was uh, on that first day, I just remember feeling quite liberated. If, you know, that, but the, I suppose it all depends on your experience in the school at the time of the lockdown. Well, it wasn't just you, because, I mean, the other commentators on that post, so, for example, Christian Shanks uh, commented on it and said, I know I'm unusual in thinking this and with my situation, but as someone who has a 45 to 50-minute drive to work every day, yeah. I actually found it less stressful, a lot more family-friendly. It wasn't easy by any means, but the commuting is hard work. Uh, Joe Pellero, uh, who's a science teacher, commented, uh, it was much less stressful, I'm computer literate, and the pupils I teach were excellent at completing and submitting the work on time. Uh, lucky they all have iPads. However, there were plenty who did say, obviously, that it was much more stressful. Many mentioned screen fatigue, um, uh, which I do get. Many mentioned not getting out. Many mentioned um, uh, particularly prevalent, I think, was those with children. Now, if it was reintroduced, of course, Paul, Mm -hmm. their children would still be in school. I mean, my, my, my thinking on this is not remote teaching in the sense of students are at home. I'm saying students would always be in school, but I, in my little vision that I wrote in this blog, I was talking about how maybe we could facilitate a situation where teachers are zoomed in to classrooms. That's actually what I'm doing right now. I'm on a contract to, for a school in Spain. One, the school I previously taught at has rehired me, and I'm basically covering over there, but I'm not there in person. So all my lessons are online. So it's reminding me of January and February in the other school I was teaching and when I had to do this. It's exactly the same. And I mirror everything you said about the positives of it. I think we're talking about, I think a mix between the two would be best. Mm -hmm. I I wouldn't necessarily want to do it five days a week. I think that gets a little bit, for all the positives of it, I think it's more difficult to establish those relationships, to really feel like you're in the classroom. It's, It's a magical sphere to be in. But as a one day or two day a week thing, I think it would be brilliant for teacher well-being. That's my argument. I don't know what you think. Yeah, I think so. And the, and the thing is, I mean, I've just finished um, a period of isolation myself. Um, today yeah. is the first day back, actually, after COVID. And the last week, that, that's pretty much what I was doing, certainly in my sixth form classes. And one of the members of my department who's symptomless and She's, I walked past the room today, she's doing some great lessons from home. And the supply staff's just putting it through on Teams. And yes, yes. It's great. And you're sort of thinking, wow, that's, it, it, you know. you know. Well, I mean, the way they've set it up for me is, is like you say, they've got me on a chair, right, right on my yeah. laptop. And then they're streaming me through on the projector. Yeah. And a lot of the students, about, I think today, about 75% of the students had iPads and whatever. So I was using things like menti.com and I was doing live quizzing. This is the thing with remote. If you're remote and you're zoomed in and they've got devices, it actually can be really cool 
the stuff yeah. you can do because you've got everything in front. You know, like um, when you're in the classroom, you're like, oh, God, I've got to go to the desk and load up a different PowerPoint yeah, or whatever. Yeah. It's easy at home because you just flip a tab <laughs> and you don't have to worry about what's on the screen or freezing That's the it. projector or whatever. And, yeah. and different different things you can use, you know, different tech you can use and so on. Well, I think that was the other thing. We uh, traditionally have always sort of employed technology in terms of interactive learning, homeworks done online. So, you know, I've, I've used a variety of VLEs over the years. And so our current VLE, I was pretty well versed in it, whereas mm. there's quite a few departments, I don't want to speak ill of them, they're not, you know, they're mm -hmm. all great teachers, but um, hadn't used it as much. So when I went into it, it was second nature. Yeah. And also yeah. the students have been using it with me for homework. So they knew where to find the resources, they knew how to submit the work. And so it was, I wouldn't say it was seamless, but it was a quite a smooth transition. Yeah, I mean, th this is why I said in my blog that I think it would have to be optional because I, I genuinely think if you did that poll again and you said, as a teacher, do you consider yourself to be tech savvy? I reckon the results would be similar to that. I think yeah. only 20% would say, yeah, I consider myself tech savvy. I think there'd be 80% who who don't necessarily, or but I say that, it might be more than that, but you know what I mean? I think there'd be a oh, big yeah, chunk yeah. who would definitely say, I'm nowhere near, I would class myself as, as kind of tech savvy, so to speak. Um, I think you're right. And I think, you know, one of the things is um, I sort of, at the start of my career when, you know, I was seen as like a pioneer because we were using projectors and PowerPoints. And I was like, wow. Yeah, um, you innovator. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, it's, and, and sort of, I must admit, I feel terrible at this now, but I do the odd tutting at all the colleagues who are, I don't know how to do all that. And you'd be thinking, oh, come on. What? <laughs> I'm already seeing now, <laughs> I'm starting to think, uh-oh, if you're not careful, if you just tread water with the technology, it's very easy to become, and, you know, the the changes in technology aren't perhaps as radical as a generation ago had, overnight almost. Um, don't forget the teachers I'm talking about had no internet when they started teaching. So it's it's sort of, it's very easy to, to go from being tech savvy to being seen as um, a Luddite quite quickly, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm totally in agreement with you. I always laugh at those memes about trying to explain to my parents, you know, <laughs> switching a channel on Sky or something. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I always laugh at those things. But, yeah, there is an element of that. I, th I think I do sympathise in the sense that teachers don't necessarily uh, – um, CPD, based on using technology tools, doesn't necessarily yeah. get, the, get the priority that it – maybe should uh you know yeah, but even just even just on a basic level i mean yeah. you know but you know funnily enough i was looking at the uh i was chatting to someone today about the um uh, the dfe funding the uh, kind of free bursary funded um computer uh what we would call it uh computer science courses right for any 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 teacher can do it in in in, in england bursary funded it's actually steve woods who's the our kind of tech briefing guru right. and he's fantastic and and in my head i'm going the take up why, why is the take up nationally not i mean obviously part of that will be the time that, mm -hmm. that, that teachers have but great opportunity there and you know um and i just feel like sometimes that 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 kind of cpd is maybe overlooked in favor of of other things that, that are obviously important obviously probably probably as important if not more but yeah, the remote teaching, obviously, that neglect, mm -hmm. if you like, of, of building up people's skills in those areas did did shine through, didn't it? 
it, there was a big disparate yeah. disparate thing between teachers who were comfortable teaching a live lesson and teachers who could not and did not want to do anything of that nature even just even just you know using a platform to share resources and whatever yeah absolutely and it's it's um yeah, like you say it does, it does show things up i think sometimes what what i think maybe i can appreciate after so many years is um there's always something new and you sort of like for example i'm on about to go into our fourth different VLE I've used, and every single one I've thrown everything at it and thought, right, this yeah. is, you know. And then you sort of think, oh, have I got the energy to do this again? Yeah, absolutely. And another one. Tech is tech moves so fast that you can only yeah. really sympathise, and you don't need to be, you know, a tech genius to, uh, no. to, to to kind of. You just need those basic basic ones, don't you? Really, and and, and that's what you need. Um, yeah. yeah, but you're absolutely right. And the buying in of new tech uh, packages and, and different things, and you kind of see the eyes roll, don't you? Oh, God, another <laughs> another bloody thing to spend hours on working out. And then in a year, it'll probably be binned off. Well, that's the fear, isn't it? You think, you know, I could, I could do everything now, so I'll do this. I'll use all my free time, gain time in the summer. I'll have it all shiny for September. But what happens two years down the line when you say, oh, guess what? We've got something better now, so... We want, you know, and and you know that is the nature of any industry, isn't it? The technology does overtake itself, and things yeah. change. And I think it just seems to be a series of revolutions rather than sort of one steady evolution, if you like. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I mean, presumably, what were the kind of you know when you were remote teaching? Yeah. What were the kind of things you were doing? I mean, were you just using simple PowerPoint slides, sharing those? I mean, were you using anything Wizzy? I mean, what what was your yeah. standard lesson format? Was it live? Was it remote? What was the? It changed. Well, it evolved itself in the first one. The first one, it was basically everything went through the VLE, so we used. I don't know if you're familiar yeah. with Firefly. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's it's really I really like the way you. So there's video clips in there. So we basically it's custom built lessons where it was here's some information, here's a video clip, here's you know have a look at this website and then you could do a quiz at the end to, to just yeah. to one to see participation but also to see how well it had been learned um by the second one because i've never used zoom or teams before yeah. the first lockdown by the second one it was we, we had a school policy where we would be on hand on teams for the first 10 minutes of each lesson to help students because obviously you understand that not every family's got a, a device per child, so it's it's difficult, isn't it? But we used to, generally speaking, I'd do full live lessons for A-level, and I'd do introduction lessons with Key Stage 3 and 4, where I'd do a PowerPoint through Teams and then direct them to an activity on Firefly, which basically checked the knowledge um, and did it that way. So it was a variety of things, and, you know, one of the, it, it was a lot of effort, perhaps, but... If there's a child off now, as I've got a few to that, I mean, there's three people tested positive today in my year 10 class for doing an assessment. Yeah. And then I remembered, hang on a minute, I've got the exact lesson. <laughs> I've got the, the virtual lesson of this. There it is. Set them it on Firefly and said, right, yeah. any questions, let me know. So, yeah, so there's there's all sorts of ways to do it. Oh, it's there? fantastic. And, and actually last week, uh, so I say last week, sorry, I mean the week before Christmas, I was setting assessments for these students I'm teaching now. Yeah. And I did some I did some video feedback, which I never would have done, you know, um, in normal circumstances. But because of that yeah. time saved on the commute yeah. and 
you know, it, it, it's much easier to think, oh, do you know what? I'll spend an extra hour doing that. That's true. Uh, yeah. Because it's kind of, I've got the energy, I've got the a bit more time, and why not? Mm. Um, and, you know, that's the advantage of it for me, is you do feel a bit more uh, like you've got a, a, a spare minute, you know, yeah. like you said, and free period, and you've got people knocking on the door. <laughs> it's it's just, you know, if you're in the school building, it's nonstop. It's just, it's it's like being in a, a pressure cooker. Um, yeah. Well, and, well, and, yeah. And if you've got a kind of hippie, which I'm sure you have, Paul, a hippie-laden <laughs> living room with your, your laptop set up <laughs> and your, you know, your whoopee cushions and your, you know, your scented <laughs> candles and all the rest of it, then it's it's a different setup, isn't it? Do you know what it is? And it's it's one of those things that, schools are going to be noisy aren't they? that's one of the things you sort of you accept don't you but do you ever you ever had that thing years ago when you used to go out on internet rather than do it online yeah oh yeah oh absolutely <laughs> yeah i mean i started teaching 2007 right and the first i mean 2007 to you know the first 10 years mm. basically going out on inset and even over time it evolved to people coming in to deliver the inset yeah. I don't remember. I d the first five years, I definitely went out on inset a number of times, a number mm -hmm. of, a significant number of times, probably compared to now, which is like zero. But <laughs> then it kind of evolved to people coming into school to do inset. And yeah. then it evolved even further to no one coming in and it just being kind of online, which I agree with because there's a lot of expertise within school communities anyway to do things. But it then kind of evolved to remote, you know, so it has gone all that way, which I do get. You know, I, I don't really. I mean, how do you feel about that? Do you miss going out to CPD? Or do you miss having the day out to go to some some conference or whatever? <laughs> I kind of do because the thing is, it's yeah. Whenever I moan about teaching, and, and you know, for twenty two years in, you do get quite moany. Um, but yeah. you sort I'll of... stop talking about me, Paul. <laughs> At least talk about me behind my back, not on Teachers Talk Radio. <laughs> I'll, All right, I'll save that for later. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's um. You go into it knowing, okay, you're going to have fixed holidays. You're not going to have these. You're not going to have a nice plush office where you left your own devices for eight, nine hours a day. You know that's, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, a, it's in the nature of it. But the thing about getting out for a course was it was like a nice little taste of, I'm thinking now of that meme of um, Bilbo Baggins on his adventure from the Shires. It was kind of yeah. like, it was that, you know, <laughs> you're going to pretend to do a normal job today. I'm going to do it yeah, yeah, to yeah. A, a city. Um, I'm going to yeah. a hotel. Yeah, absolutely. A proper yeah. lunch. Because that's what I mean. People say, oh, I've had meetings all day. Where were the meetings? <laughs> hotel. How many times yeah. did you go to the loo? Five. Did exactly. you go outside? Yeah. Did you get lunch? Yeah. Did you, did you, you know, and then I drove home yeah. and whatever. I listened to the, and then I got home and that was it. I, I, <laughs> Yeah, that's a one. That was once a year for me yeah. in the first five years of my career, and probably zero a year since then. So, <laughs> no, exactly. Well, my wife works in in the private sector, and she's before before lockdown, she was quite often spent a lot of time on the motorway. And I was like, oh, that would be great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what yeah are you talking I, about? <laughs> I know, I know. Like, oh, just put a podcast on. Yeah, that's back. exactly what. Oh, I I'm said, stuck yeah. in a queue for an hour. Oh no, exactly. <laughs> but the worst motorway queue with a podcast. Is better yeah. than your worst class. Oh. <laughs> now that's a good tweet, Paul. We need to put. We need to put. In fact, I don't know if anyone's listening to this from Teachers Talk Radio, but you have to quote that one. But that was bloody magic. The worst. Hang on, what was that? It's <laughs> better to be. It the was worst, better the to worst be. Worst traffic jam with a good <laughs> podcast is better than your worst class. 
I think that's what I said. Something like we, that. We need a we need a with a good something at the end. With a good yeah. with a good yeah. But it's, it needs, I, it needs a bit, to be a bit more soundbitey, doesn't it? We need a bumper sticker with that. <laughs> that'd be that on the back of the car bumper. That I'd rather be stuck in this queue with you <laughs> than teaching my worst class yeah. on the back of the car. That's what we need. Than teaching Seth five year nine. Yeah, absolutely. Oh that's God, it. but yeah, but I don't think. Well, I don't think we're going to move to a place where remote teaching and learning is built into uh, embedded into school life anytime soon because I think there's been no. this kind of right we've done that back to normal kind of thing isn't it yeah think. that's a very real danger actually isn't it that you there's an awful lot been learned and I think like I say we've had two lockdowns and it changed very quickly in both of those and I think if there was well, hopefully there won't be a third one but if there mm. was mm. I think we'd we'd because I mean, there's the other thing to bear in mind. We're, we're going to get bashed as teachers, you know, and you know, but the way everyone adapted themselves, or the vast majority of us adapted to this completely new way of doing things, mm. really should have been an eye opener. Because in, in many say, in many ways, you could say teaching's changed a lot, hasn't it, in twenty odd years? But in other ways, yeah. I think it hasn't at all. It's just that you've got a projector in your room, or you've got a bit more color and visual effects and things. So it's it's one of those where if 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 we're not careful, we might lose all our expertise as quickly as we found it. Absolutely, and I think that's a good note to finish on, which is a more positive note than our <laughs> than my my rants for. So thank you for that. Uh, listen, thanks so much for giving up a bit of your Monday night to that's to come cool. on here and talk shop. So no, uh, I hope to speak to you again soon, and uh, yeah, keep up the good work. Cheers, Tom. No, thanks for having me on. I really enjoyed it. All right, Paul. Take care, mate. Thank you. See you, mate. See you. Bye. That was Paul Etock talking about his experiences of remote teaching in during the lockdowns and I suppose since then as well, uh, because people going into isolation are still being required to, to do some remote teaching now. So, yeah, interesting stuff. Thank you so much to Paul and also to Charlotte, who joined me earlier in today's show. If you want to listen back to any Teachers Talk radio show, you can do so on the website at ttradio.org. Got tons of shows coming up this week. Just check out the schedule on the website. You can see we've got an absolute ton of shows coming up. We've got Mal uh, tomorrow morning, uh, 7 a.m. breakfast show, uh, TT Radio. Tune into that live. We've got tons coming up after that as well. Uh, so make sure you, you check them out on the website. You just click listen live on the website. You listen to anything. Uh, I mentioned earlier in the show that we've now reached 5,000 Podbean followers. That's amazing. I can't believe that when I saw that earlier on. Uh, 350,000 downloads and, and Teachers Talk Radio continues to go from strength to strength. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.